again very hurriedly uh, before I uh, came uh, here a few days ago. Uh, I also want to mention to you just a couple of other things. Uh, first of all, how many of you are on Facebook? Anybody here on Facebook? Okay. Uh, listen, I, I want to encourage you, by the way. I'm uh, not, not that I'm trying to be in a uh, race or in a contest with my wife. My wife has more friends than I do. But uh, I would love to keep in contact with you. And, and if you would just happen to look me up, Dave Clear, uh, that's, uh, that's where I'm at, of course, on Facebook. Um, in addition, I have a, a Facebook page for my church. In fact, I put some photos of some of the meeting and some of the, uh, uh, even the sightseeing, First Baptist Church of Rosemount. But I'd love for you to request uh, to be a friend, and I'll like that. That'll be great. And uh, we'll kind of keep together as far as just uh, prayer requests and different things. Love to correspond with you. Uh, even after I return. Let me also point out to you just a few things as far as tomorrow's concerned. What I've been talking about with demonic strongholds, we began last night. We laid a foundation. Tonight, we're going to build on that foundation. Uh, I have to tell you that, by the way, tonight, by the end of the night, uh, probably if you're like me, uh, you, you are going to be a little bit leery, a little bit wary, but a little bit, in, in a sense here, just... Um, it's, it's discouraging to realize how easy it is to let uh, seducing spirits into our lives. That's why I want you to be back tomorrow night because I'm going to tell you the powerful resolution, the powerful way that God has for us to overcome demonic strongholds. I guarantee I'll teach you some things tomorrow night. Uh, you probably have not heard. Um, but, but tomorrow night I'm going to conclude the little study on demonic strongholds. Now, what we're going to do tomorrow morning, uh, tomorrow morning, uh, I, I, one of the things that I enjoy is I, I study the Bible, but it's been my privilege to have visited the land of Israel now on three separate occasions. Um, I, I study an awful lot. Brother Steve asked me, he said, you know, personally, how much do you uh, prepare as far as Bible study? And and, and almost every week of the year, I have between probably six, seven, maybe even eight times that I have to speak. And many of those are major times, and I, I rarely ever put less than five hours into any message. And oftentimes, even a little devotional that's going to be five to ten minutes, I'll, I'll spend over an hour, two hours, sometimes just preparing, studying, and, and even praying over. And, and, but one of the things that the Lord has allowed me to see and visit and learn from is visiting the land of Israel. If you've never been to Israel, it's, it's worth your time to go there. And your pastor is going to go with me. Now, you all can't go with me. You could, I suppose, if you wanted to. But I know that there's other things you have to do. But, but I want to actually teach you some things that I'm going to be teaching him. And I'm going to be teaching others that are going to be going. And some things, I guarantee you, you've never heard these things before as well. But uh, the land of Israel, one of the things that I figured out when I first visited the land of Israel is that God had prepared the land to teach. And you, you remember, for instance, the, the time that Jesus was uh, even being brought into Jerusalem and, and uh, there were those who were kind of disgusted by the praises, the hosannas that were being proclaimed about Jesus as he was coming in on that uh, donkey. And, and Jesus said at that time, he said, if these should hold their peace, he said, the rocks would cry out. And you know that's true, but you know one of the things that I figured when I got off the plane, the first time I visited Israel is there's rocks everywhere. 
And, and I mean, there's more rock. I think Israel is the place with the most rocks. And it's almost like God just dumped all of the rocks in that land. And, and you know what? Every stone, it seems like, speaks. And there's some things that I have been privileged to learn. And I've shared some of those with Pastor Steve and, and, and with some others. But I'm going to be sharing as much of that as I can. And especially, I'm going to actually show you uh, some pictures and then kind of talk uh, over the pictures and just share with you some of the things that I have learned about each and every one of the places that are part of the trip, the tour that I'm going to be taking with uh, Pastor Steve this fall. And uh, then in the morning service, I'm going to be preaching a message. Uh, to me, again, our conference is on surrender. And, and I don't think that you can properly understand surrender if you do not understand what I'm going to talk about tomorrow morning, where I talk about the story of Jacob when he's an old man and he has his two grandsons come before him, and, and, and the Bible says that he's going to put the blessing uh, upon them, but he reaches forth, and, and different from what his son Joseph thinks. Joseph puts the sons he thinks are supposed to be in front of him, but, but Jacob goes like this and mixes it up, and I'm going to speak on the mixed blessing. It's a very practical lesson, very practical message. I don't want you to miss that tomorrow morning. So we've got a lot to cover, but tonight... Uh, take your Bible and turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, because we do want to talk about demonic strongholds. In Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to begin reading here in verse number 17. The Bible says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But... If ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. We talked about last night, just by way of review, we talked about this thing of seducing spirits. And we especially looked at a passage in 1 Timothy chapter 4 where the Bible says, The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. And I describe for you that that's not talking about losing your salvation. You can't lose, by the way, what God says was everlasting. He said, I give unto them uh, eternal life and they shall never perish. And that's a promise of God. You don't have to worry about losing your eternal salvation. It is safe with Him. But what that verse is saying is it's talking about the body of everything that we believe. You see, we've got different things that we believe about just well, everything. Uh, we, we have formed opinions, and those opinions have been held sometimes deeply within our heart. And we say, I believe that, I believe that. And, and certainly there's the belief of, of salvation but there's also the belief in how we live. And technically, when anybody departs from that which they believe, the entire body, they have, in essence, then departed from the faith, the entire body of what they believed. And the Bible says that some are going to do that. And we talked about how it also says that they give heed to seducing spirits. And a seducing spirit, we said last night, is a, kind of like a spiritual tramp. Kind of like a spiritual vagabond, somebody, something spiritual. It's a, it's a demon that is wandering about. And Jesus described this very well 
where he described about the man that had a demon that came out of, I believe, his life. And he didn't do anything to change his situation. And so that demon came back with seven other demons. By the way, one of the principles that's taught there is that you have to be careful because the devil wants to travel in packs. And what you oftentimes find, uh, you, you say, well, I've just got one little problem. But boy, you don't conquer it. Before long, you're going to have a lot of problems. And so there's the seducing spirit. And we described how that the seducing spirits want to get into our lives and create what we call strongholds. And a stronghold is when behind enemy lines, they, the, the enemy uh, gets a fortification, a castle, a stronghold. And the devil would love nothing more than to get a stronghold in the life of a Christian. Again, we're not talking here about possession. We know that that's not possible. But, but you know, he'd just like to get in your life. He'd like to get in your family. He'd like to get in your uh, cubicle, maybe at work. He'd like to get uh, right in front of you all the time. He'd like to be right there in the middle of everything. You... He'd like to get on your schedule. You know, the demons... Uh, are just like Satan himself. And always going about to and fro seeking whom he may devour. They're very much the similar way. And, and so, we, we need to be careful about uh, these seducing spirits. Remember, we uh, finished last night by talking about the characteristics. The characteristics of somebody who is, has a seducing spirit in their life. And we talked about the maniac, maniac of Gadara, the man that was possessed by demons and the man that had all of these characteristics, we said, number one, he was uncontrollable. He just uh, would not allow himself to be bound with fetters and with chains. And, and when we get to that point where we say, I don't want anybody to control me, we better look out. A seducing spirit has gotten in. And then secondly, we said that he mutilated or marked himself a characteristic of our time. We said, thirdly, he cried for no reason. Sadness, depression. Boy, I'll tell you what, it's on the rise. And and it seems like the more that uh, you know, technology offers and the more that people can do, the more you know, finances people get, the sadder they are, the more depressed they are. And then we said, number four, he was unclothed. And we talked about the clothing for a Christian is, is, is humility. The Bible says, be clothed with humility. And when we do not have humility, we have opened ourselves up to a seducing spirit. And then we said, number five, he was unsettled. He didn't have a peace. He wouldn't sit down. He was agitated. He was fidgety. And always moving around. And people today, always, by the way, that's why you find that people today don't like to stay in a church very long. Because seducing spirits. Now, you know, I was thinking about this because in the summertime, I know back in Minnesota, where I live, a big problem in the summertime is flies. We happen to be around a lot of lakes. There's Minnesota's called the land of 10,000 lakes. They counted, actually, I don't know where they came up with 10,000. There's actually over 20,000 lakes in our state. But there's uh, all of this water and around the water and the marshes and oftentimes in the summer, there's a lot of flies and, and, and different insects that are flying, mosquitoes and different things. But, but you know, I can remember growing up that my mom would oftentimes tell me when I would be going outside and I'd be holding that door open, she'd say, shut the door. Don't want to let a fly in. Shut the door, Dave. Don't let a fly in. Shut the door. You don't want to let you know, something in. There might be something out there. And, and isn't it interesting, by the way, that one time Jesus Christ 
healed a man. And there were the Pharisees that kind of jumped on that, attacking him. And the Bible says they, did, they accused him of doing that in what? The power of Beelzebub. You know what? Flies are disgusting because of what they touch and where they've been. They're dirty insects. Did you know what actually the Pharisees, how uh, disgusting it was what they, they claimed? Beelzebub was actually the, uh, the Philistine god. Uh, and, and literally, he was called the uh, Beelzebub, literally describes the god of the flying, the god of the flies. They basically equate, and it's a, it's a title for Satan himself. You know, the Bible says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air, and, and I believe he's going to and fro. I believe in a sense he, he, he flutters around, he flies around, he's like a dirty old fly. And all of his demons, I picture them like little flies that are flying around. Now listen, the key for us is don't keep a door open. Don't open a door. Well, you know you parents when you know, you're maybe going out and your kids get a little bit older and uh, you might even venture out maybe on a date. You've got maybe you know, older children. I can remember when Valerie and I did this, boy, the instruction we gave to our kids the first time we ever left them alone uh, was we said don't open the door for anybody. Just don't open the door. Now, the Bible here tells us, the Bible tells us that, that there are some doors that are open. By the way, before we, we, we get to there, take your Bible and just quickly turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'll, I'll try and hurry through this, but 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 3. Very familiar verses. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, verse number 3, for the time will come. I would su suggest to you it has come. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. It says, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Notice that word lust that is found there in these verses. It's a very important word. You see, it's actually the highway, the, the means by which the seducing spirit gets in. The seducing spirit gets in through a lust. Uh, here, here's something to understand. When God created man, the Bible says that God breathed into him and he became a living soul. You know that the word for lust comes from the same word as breath or breathing? In other words, here's what a lust is. A lust, God meant for, for man, and he made man this way, to breathe, not only air, but to breathe God and godliness. Satan has come along and he has perverted through sin, he has perverted the breathing, so to speak, so that man no longer breathes after God, but now he breathes after sin. Technically, a lust is a perverted breathing. It's breathing after something. It's desiring, it's longing in the same way. You've got to have breath. I mean, sometimes if... You know, you uh, get the wind knocked out of you. You're kind of sucking air. If you've been in a sport, you ever had that happen, a football game or something? Uh, I played soccer, and, and uh, you know, once in a while, I, I can remember one time, uh, I got the wind knocked out of me so hard, I was going up for a, a header football, I guess they call it here, but uh, soccer back in the States, and I was going up for a header, and, and a guy was going uh, for the ball as well, and, and, and we both collided, but his head missed the ball, but hit me right in the chest. He headed me and separated a couple of ribs from my sternum. And I can remember, 
was hard. Oh, I wanted breath. I wanted air. You know what? Satan has gotten people twisted so that they want to breathe sin. Shut the door. Don't let the door open. Don't open the door for anybody. Now listen, how does Satan, with his seducing spirits, get into our lives and develop strongholds? How do these seduce... And those, they're seductive. They are seducing spirits. How do they get in? Galatians chapter 5 teaches us that there are 18 different doors. At least we're going to identify 18 different doors. And I want you to notice they are called here the works of the flesh. Now, we've got here, here's what you have for your notes. And is this working? Might not be turned on. Okay, can we, can, can you even, can we advance it somehow? Advance it in the next page. Perfect. Okay, I'll just tell you to advance. All right, how about that? Now, We've got here, point number one, the first door is adultery. Adultery. It says here, the works of the flesh. The first one there is adultery. Now, a man or a woman may say, I've never committed adultery. But you know, Jesus holds us to a high standard. In fact, I find this is so amazing today that people do not consider it sin because they think it. What did Jesus say? He said, I say not unto you if, if you've committed adultery. He said, I say unto you, whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already with her in his heart. You know, it's amazing to me, again, a lot of people think, well, I just didn't, I didn't do the act. I, I, I just, it was just in my mind. I just thought about it. What Jesus holds us to the high standard of our thoughts are also going to be judged as if we did them. By the way, I would submit to you, you go back to the beginning, and the Bible says that when God judged the earth with a worldwide flood, it wasn't just simply on the basis of the actions. In fact, you could even make a point that what got God so perturbed and what got got the Lord so angry with Genesis 6 and verse number 5, the Bible says God saw the wickedness of man, it was great in the earth. But then it says, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You see, we, we've got people today uh, all the time uh, that, that, that are involved in adultery, mental adultery. Now, by the way, you need to understand that there are three predominant foes that we are constantly fighting. I hope you can read this, but just match it in your notes here tonight. There are three. There is the world, the flesh, and the devil. And you know what, I find that when you understand it this way, basically the world is Satan's attack against us mentally. It's Satan's attack against us mentally. You see, the world, we sometimes have a hard time defining what the world is. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. But the world is basically the mental, you see, the very first place that Satan wants to attack is in our mind. The world is the first place. But then you have the flesh. And even here it's talking in this passage about the flesh lusting against the Spirit. And there's a battle, there's a fight. I would submit to you that you will never have the flesh battle if you win the battle in the world, in your mind in your mind. 
listen, every, every military that's ever fought has tried to make sure that they kept the enemy far, far away. We were uh, in the museum today and we were uh, in a, at a point and they were talking about the, uh, the, the time that they were considering that uh, possibly Nazi Germany and Hitler were going to invade uh, England and invade London and, and, and come right there. And, and so they were very scared and very fearful about that. Uh, listen, you don't, want the devil, you don't want the enemy that far into your land. You keep them far, far away. You've got the mental, you've got the physical. The devil is the third one. That's the supernatural. And the devil is real. But you see, it begins with the world. And so much of this is with the mind. And notice that he begins by talking about this thing of adultery. I want to submit to you, by the way, that Jesus, and we're going to talk about this tomorrow night, We'll come back to it, but Jesus, when speaking about temptation, He gave His disciples the key on the night before He was, uh, of course, arrested when He was praying in the garden. He said to them, watch and pray, that ye enter not into temptation. Listen, I find that it's awfully hard for you to be giving in to the devil and praying at the same time. The two just don't mix. When you are praying, you just don't have... Uh, the means to also give in to the temptation. You see, there's a corollary there. And so we need to make sure we do that. Uh, By the way, we need to be careful what we think about when we are alone. We need to be careful what we think about when we are alone. Let's move on to the next one because I do want to describe a lot of these and get into some practical things. But the second one is fornication. Now again, these are doors, these are avenues and, and when somebody gives in, by, by the way, every one of these, I can tell you that I have, I know of people, I know of people in my church or who have been in my church who have opened one of these doors. That last one, by the way, adultery. I'm dealing with a lady right now, 30 years married, revealed to her husband here recently that 15 of those years she was carrying on an affair. By the way, we're not even sure that her husband is even saved. He occasionally visits church. We've been trying to win him to Christ. What do you think the chances are that if he's unsaved, that he's going to get saved now? Finds out his wife had a 15, long, long time ago, it doesn't matter, but for 15 years, she carried on an affair. An affair with their, kind of their best friend together. They both had a guy that they kind of chummed around with. Little did the, guy, the, the man know that uh, it was also the man that was having an affair with his wife. Christian lady gives a testimony knowing Christ. Listen, I'm telling you, it's possible anybody can open these doors. Fornication, it's interesting that the word for fornication in the Greek is the Greek word porneia. It's the word that we get pornography from. Technically, fornication doesn't describe one particular sexual act, but it's, it's really uh, all sexual sins together. It's the pornographic life. By the way, different from adultery, adultery is always including at least one married person. That's why the Bible always describes it committing adultery against. Because adultery is the breaking of the marriage vow. Fornication, on the other hand, can be carried on with two, uh, two uh, single people. It doesn't matter. 
Uh, and, and listen, again, fornication is something that we need to be careful about. You know, I've seen that there has been a rise, there's been a rise in the stimulation of people visually. You know, as we've been enjoying some of the technologies of today, so has the devil. Majority of the websites out there are pornography. Do you know how many times I've had to deal with men that have gotten caught up with pornography? I can't begin to tell you how many times that I've had to deal with it. And by the way, it oftentimes it starts out in youth. That's why the young boys here, I can remember my son, I can remember teaching him this lesson. One day we were raking leaves, and Jonathan was probably, I would imagine, about Zach's age, and we were out raking the leaves one day, and a little pornographic picture had blown up in our yard from somewhere. And it was right there, and by the way, I think the devil had it face up. It landed right there, right in front of where we were raking. And, and my little son Jonathan, we were kind of looking at that, and I can remember we were looking at it, we looked at it just for a second, and I said, son, it's a dirty picture. I said, turn your back, I'm going to turn my back. And I said, we're going to just back up together. You know that's a bad picture. And together we kind of turned our backs. And we kind of felt for that thing, and together we crumpled it up. And together we took that piece of paper, and we destroyed that piece of paper. Why? Because I wanted to teach my son. I did not want him to get a seducing spirit when he was young. By the way, dads, what you think is okay for you to see, think about your little ones. Think about your little ones. You know, again, I can't begin to tell you how many sick things that I have had to deal with. Uh, men, men, they'll come to church, by the way. They won't join the church. I don't have any, you know, say-so as far as, you know, disciplining them out of the church. But they'll come to church, and one man in particular, uh, looking at dirty pictures in front of his children, in, in front of his wife. And he just, well, that's just something. It's okay. I'm not doing anything wrong. He's just looking at him and, and looking at this pornography in his home. And, and then saying to his wife, you know, just imagine how encouraging this is to his wife. Why don't you look like one of them? By the way, the man claims to be saved. I, I've questioned him. See, that sick stuff gets in. Again, it's a seducing spirit. Do you know, by the way, I, I did a recent study on this about how many people have just uh, gotten caught up, hooked on pornography. It, it's a stimulating thing. They're, one of the latest things is not even just simply the pornography, but one of the latest things that they are now talking about, as I'm sure here in, in Great Britain, but also in the States, uh, is the uh, problem of with the cell phones, sexting is what they call it now. And so that there's communication back and forth that doesn't even have to be in person, but now just simply the vile uh, you know, conversation, the dirty talk, the dirty suggestive, and, and all of that stuff. I, I would submit to you that everywhere you turn, it seems like it's just increased, whether it's visual or whether it's audio. Uh, you're hearing it, you're seeing it. And, and listen, I would suggest to you that the devil uh, has a bunch of seducing spirits trying to get in. By the way, you notice that some of these sins 
are listed first, do you think it's maybe because they're so prevalent? Do you think it's because they're so powerful? I think so. Not only that, but notice, notice, well, let me hang on a second. I, I got to share with you just, can I tell you just a couple of suggestions? One, one of my good friends, he, he gave me this suggestion. Good preacher friend from the States. He said, you know what? He said, here's a good rule for TV. He said, here's his family rule. I, I haven't yet gotten this, but I've gotten close. He said, we do not allow anybody to watch TV alone in our house. He said, if you don't have a buddy, can't watch it. If there's not another person, then it doesn't go on. You have to have a second person. You know why? Because it's, it's easy to fall alone. See, that kind of keeps that door shut. I, I tell the folks back in our church, especially with the young people, well, every, every young person, you know, boy, they, they, they're growing up and they're about, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and what do they want? They want a cell phone, they want a computer. I mean, they want an iPhone, an iPad, they want all of the eyes, everything. That they want all of this technology. I tell the parents in our church, I say, listen, I think you'd be wise. If you do allow, I, I really caution them about the cell phones until they're, they're, they're well into their teenage years. But I tell them, listen, if you're going to have, if you're going to give your child a computer, then have a rule that the computer is only used out in the living room, out in the kitchen, out in public. Never give your kids a TV, especially connected to cable, that they can have in their room and a computer in their room and have all of this stuff private. Listen, you, you may as well give them a loaded gun. Because you're basically putting them in a position. Again, with, with immature uh, young people don't know how to handle this. Uh, you, you get a young man that all of a sudden gets a stimulation, uh, you know, a stimulating figure in front of them, and all of a sudden it captures their mind. You have allowed, once that seducing spirit gets in, it's hard to get them out. I never, ever, ever deal with somebody that's been caught in adultery that didn't first of all start with this one here. They all start here. Fornication. Let's move on to the third one, uncleanness. Uncleanness. Uncleanness, as we say here, refers to sexual sins which are so far out of bounds as to leave the person totally dirty. You know, if, if we have to, you know, kind of put it... I, I, these, these kind of things, I, I hate to talk about them except they are so prevalent. But, but the one that obviously is so prevalent would be homosexuality. Homosexuality. Which, by the way, in Romans chapter 1, the Bible says that, that God gives up a person to when they do not choose his will. Did you know for me, this, this whole thing of homosexuality is a doctrinal issue. It's a doctrinal issue. Back here, where I'm from in Minnesota, we, we are voting later this year. We are voting. Our state is. We've got it on the ballot. We've got an election in November. And we are voting on amending our state's constitution to define marriage as being between one man and one woman. We're voting on that. And, and by the way, you pray for us. Pray with us. We 
Uh, we, we, uh, we're, we're going to be getting right in the middle of a battle. But I think it's a, an important one, and here's why. To me, it's a doctrinal issue. One man, one woman. Why? Because marriage is the first picture in the Bible of salvation. Who's your Savior? The man, Jesus Christ. What does the Bible say Jesus has? Jesus is the groom. Therefore, those who receive Him as Savior become His bride. Therefore, salvation is one man and one woman. By the way, you go to your Bible, Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church. Wives, you're supposed to submit to your husbands. Why? Because that's what the church is supposed to do to Christ. See, it's a doctrinal issue to me. Therefore, I don't like and I will not tolerate uh, at least with, with my permission, I'm not going to tolerate the tinkering with, the destroying of salvation and its perfect plan. That's why I get so upset about that. But by the way, I'm finding Christians getting sucked into this stuff. We, we had a teenage girl. She's probably about a year older than Emily. Teenage girl that was in our school, if, and, and at the time... Just probably about a year, year and a half ago. One of the sweetest, most godly, devotion-having girls in our school. She came from a divorced home. And Satan used the pressure of an ungodly father to desire her to leave her godly mother to go live with her ungodly father who had no rules, no standards, no say-so, would spoil her with anything, give her anything she wanted, including letting her go to any school she wanted to. That girl left her mom, went with her dad, went to the public school, and has now been engaging in homosexuality. She's got a girlfriend. She was in my Christian school. A year ago, she's now engaging in uncleanness. You say, oh, that would never happen. Oh, really? It, it, I, I'm simply telling you that, that, that when you start deviating, when you start opening up doors, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Number four is lasciviousness. Lasciviousness refers to an overflowing sexual mindset. It basically is the idea of there's no control. It's really a compound Greek word which really translates that way. It is over the top. If you want to say it this way, this is the person who is sexually addicted and that number has more than doubled in the last 10 years. The number of people who are now called, classified as sexual addicts. Sexual addicts. We're having to deal with that an awful lot, believe it or not. Brother Steve and our reformers unanimous in our, in our church. I happen to have a list in my church of the individuals who have, who have actually been convicted of some form of sexual crime. And I have to know that. I have to know that. So that I can say, you're going over, only over there. You're not allowed around children. 
one of the one of the best bus kids we ever had for many many years he was involved in our church rode from a little kid rode all the way through high school was even uh, after he was out of high school he's working a secular job but he's still coming he was one of our camp workers and everything just recently convicted of possession of child pornography again i mean i'm telling you this stuff it, it creeps in lasciviousness how about number five idolatry idolatry now idolatry certainly we would think uh, could be with a physical idol that's what most people think when they think about idolatry but idolatry is a wrong lust it is a wrong desire and it's a replacement of your worship you see the bible tells us we are to worship god and god alone but i will tell you by the way that to me and you can see it up there on the screen that the thing that I have seen that has probably become the number one idol is materialism. Material things. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I can't tell you how many times that I have had individuals in church that have chosen a... Um, career path a job path or a uh, it, it might even be a home it might be a possession and they've chosen that over the will of God see you want to always make sure as, as Paul said this Paul said I count all of those things but loss for the excellent what does Jesus say seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness you know it's interesting to me how that this last uh, um, Christmas shopping season. They, they have a day uh, right after Thanksgiving, and it's probably, I would imagine, called the same here, but they call it uh, uh, Black Friday. It's the day after Thanksgiving, and it's a big shopping day. Especially back in the States, I know it is. Did, did, you, know, did you know that there was, a, uh, there was a woman, there was a woman out in Los Angeles at a Walmart this last... Uh, Black Friday day after Thanksgiving that she pulled out a can of pepper spray and started spraying people around her why she had to get that Xbox she had to get that Xbox listen we've had stories about people being trampled people being hurt uh, people uh, being injured greatly why because somebody had to get something where I live is 20 minutes away from the biggest mall in, in America. It's called the Mall of America. Biggest shopping area. And uh, not too long ago, they had a riot there because there was some feigned announcement of some, some fake announcement of some celebrities that were going to be there and they were going to maybe, you know, have something to sign or to give away. And, and, and it caused a bunch of gangs showed up and it just mayhem. Everybody just, because they had to have something. They had to be there. I'm telling you that we, we, as Christians, we need to remember we're not taking that with us anyways. You know, my goal would be if, if I knew that the rapture was going to happen tonight, I'd, I'd get rid of all of my stuff. I, I wouldn't want to have, I, I'd, I'd, I'd make sure that uh, I used it. My goal is not to try and, in fact, try and have a big inheritance that I leave for my kids. Uh, my, my goal is actually to spend it up for God now. 
We, we sometimes, you know, get this, why are you trying to, you know, collect things? And, 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 and you know, it might not be a bad idea for you to go in and, you know, maybe, that, do they do garage, we call them garage sales back home. Do they do anything like that here? What do they call them? Car boot sales. Okay, you need to do a car boot sale, whatever that is. Just, I trust the preacher here. I, I trust he knows what he's talking about. But, but listen, you, you don't need so much stuff. The average, and, and listen, that stuff gets in the way of church, of your devotions. It gets in the way. I, I, would, I would submit to you, by the way, your technology sometimes gets in the way. Do you know how many people that, you know, we, we have to, we, we, cell phones, they can't keep off their cell phones during the preaching. I, I have a good, good preacher friend. He, he had a, um, <laughs> he, if, I, if I told you Brother Steve, I'll tell you later who he was, but, but a good preacher friend that had a, a church, or big church, I mean, I'm talking about a thousand people or more. Big church. And, and he is, he's in his church and he's just trying to conduct a service and singing and everything. All of a sudden he notices that almost like just a, a mob, about a third of his church begin leaving for the exits and going up into the balcony and all congregating and they're all just flooded right up there in the balcony. Leaving the floor and they're all just... They're all smiling. They're all just, while he's singing, while he's trying to, he has no idea what in the world is going on. His assistant came over. He had noticed that everybody had their cell phone out during the service and that they were looking at their cell phones and then leaving and going upstairs. His assistant came over to him and said, Oh, Pastor, you, you should know it looks like I found out there's a famous family that's up in the balcony. It's a family that's on cable TV. It's Christian family, the Duger family. They've got all of these children. The whole family was up there. And so people were leaving the, the floor, and they were leaving during the singing, during getting ready for the preaching. They were leaving there for an autograph. What are we doing? Why not get God? Who cares about that autograph when you can get God's Word? Materialism. I'm saying that we've got idolatry. Uh, Number six, witchcraft. It's interesting that the Greek word for witchcraft comes from the Greek word pharmakia, the word that we get pharmacy from. Though we are not against, of course, medicines that are legitimate, but let me do say this, that in Bible days, that oftentimes witchcraft involved taking of drugs, hallucinogenic drugs, drugs that blew their mind, drugs that controlled them. And, and, and that's why, by the way, the Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You know, there's so much that's out there that's connected to Satanism. Did you know that sometimes the music is hallucinogenic? I told you a story last night about a young lady that had a lot of music that she gave me a whole bag. By the way, I'd never finished the story. I did get the stuff burned. I did get rid of the stuff. But boy, 
Every time, in fact, I, I, I kind of have in our church here, every time, I haven't told the song leader this, but I get chills up my spine every time he says, let's stand and sing, leaning on the everlasting arms. I'm looking around. Anybody going to start humming it? <laughs> I'm looking around. But you know, it's, music can be that way. Movies. What are the top movies today? I would submit to you, they've got witchcraft. They've got witchcraft. You know, last year, top movie, Harry Potter, eight. Twilight. There's so many things, by the way, going on in the States. A lot of it, you know, going back and forth, either your country or my country. But, but a lot of this, we are, the, we are the ones who are providing witchcraft for the world. Movies, music. I'll never forget the story told. I was listening uh, to a, uh, uh, watching a video, an evangelist that has dealt with a lot of this stuff, and he was telling the story about uh, dealing with a demon-possessed man, and he began speaking to the demon and, and asking his name. And in a deep voice that was obviously not the man's, the name came out, Azrael. 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 He said, that sounds familiar. Smurfs. Smurfs. You know what, even cartoons sometimes seem very bland and unassuming. He said, I went back and I began studying Smurfs cartoons and realizing it was an indoctrination into witchcraft. Good magic, bad, bad, bad magic, that's what they believe in true witchcraft too. He said, it's interesting that that name actually comes, uh, actually comes from, uh, uh, of course, Smurfs, and, and, and there they've got pentagrams and all sorts of things. Again, I, I'm just simply saying, you know, one of the things, by the way, we did with our kids, we, I know this is going to sound strange, but we raised our kids, we never allowed them to ever watch anything that had a power not designated as God's. Do you know that that did away with a lot of the Disney movies? We just, we just told, oh, yeah, it's cute magic, but where's the power from? Where's the power from? So we said, no, we're just not going to watch. If we don't know that the power is from God. Now, by the way, Bible stories, God's power, yes, we'll, we'll talk about that. Yes, we'll, we, if, if they ever come out with a film about a, uh, you know, Moses crossing the Red Sea or, uh, you know, in the children of Israel or David and Goliath. Boy, I tell you what, because we want to exalt the power of God, but we don't want to open the door for them to get fascinated with another power. I'm simply saying we have to be careful about this. Number eight is variance. Variance. Variance is related to hatred. It's easily defined because it has the root word for very in it or variety. It is the anti-spirit of unity. In other words, it is that spirit, and I use this word in the sense of seducing spirits, that said, I just don't agree with that. It is the disagreeable spirit. By the way, have you ever met people that were just disagreeable? Have you ever had them in your church? Don't answer that. Boy, I have. People that just didn't want to agree about anything. People that just, I mean, it's just like they wanted to just be a, you know, just a, 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 you know, stop everything. I just want to, you know, 
mess everything up. I just don't want to agree. You know, business meetings. I, I can tell you, we went through a couple of years of business meetings with a man that this man here had that spirit of variance. He would stand up and, and our people would just start groaning. Oh, here it comes again. Here's brother so-and-so. And all he wanted to do was just spout off his disagreement. Disagreement. That's why, by the way, you want to be very careful. You don't get sucked into a lot of debating. Did you know that even in your witnessing, debating is not the way to win people to Christ? I know of a lot of people, boy, man, they just really like that. Listen, that might be a seducing spirit. And while you're debating, that also, you realize, by the way, that you know, this whole thing of this, this varying debating, I, I preached a whole message on this one time. You know the story of Paul and Barnabas and how they split? Read the beginning of the chapter. And you will find that they, it begins with them being in Jerusalem and they are debating a doctrinal issue. Good thing. But debate, you have to be careful. You know when to turn it on and turn it off. All of a sudden, they started debating about John Mark. And, oh, can't bring him with. Oh, yes, we will. Oh, no, we won't. Oh, yes, we will. Oh, no, we won't. Okay, we're going to split. See, that comes from variance. Again, I'm telling you how easy. And in your homes, that's why, by the way, your homes, that's why you have to have a structure Mom and dad lead, children follow. Husband lead, wife submit. Have harmony in your home. See, variance, it slips in. Number nine, emulations. Basically, this is being overly sensitive. It comes from the Greek word zealous, that we get um, zealot or somebody who is zealous. Uh, basically, it has the idea of somebody who easily catches fire. You know, there's a lot of forests that have fire danger because they're very, very dry. This is the person who is so overly sensitive that they easily catch fire. They easily get caught on fire. And, and listen, this is the overly sensitive person. Do you know people who are thin-skinned? People who just, they, they, they get offended easily. By the way, I love that verse. I claim it. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Isn't that a great verse? By the way, I think that verse was put in there just for Dave Clear. Because you know what? There could be many things I could be offended about, but none of them are worth it. None of them are worth it. See, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ didn't get offended. That's why he was the Savior. He went to the cross. Think of all the things he could have been offended about. Disciples, man, you forsook me. Judas, you betrayed me with a kiss. Man, none of you are around here to help me. Man, look at, you know, you Jews that you just proclaimed me the king here a week ago. Now you're, you know, hitting me. You're beating me. You're whipping me. You know, and, and everybody's turning on me. <coughs> if he was overly sensitive, then he would not have stayed on the cross. By the way, ask God to give you a thick skin. Thin-skinned opens the door. I can tell you, by the way, that that's how it happens. I, I can tell, I've got a man in my church, man in my church, 
He was, and, and by the way, Brother Steve, this is why you have to be careful. Sometimes the placement of people, if I've learned one thing about these spiritual gifts, this man here, I, I didn't see it soon enough. This man here was placed as the head usher in our church. You know what the head usher sees? Everything. The head usher in our church is the man that's in the back. He sees everybody in their back. He sees what everybody is doing in the church. He sees them when they come in. He sees them when they leave. He's the one that <coughs> sees all of the ushers and of the other workers going back and forth. He sees everything. He's, in a sense here, he sees a lot. And what I didn't realize was that that was the door that Satan wanted. And this man got offended. And one man, one too many men, said one thing to him that just tripped him and got him off. And, and, and that man said, I'm leaving the church. I've got the sad situation that that man's family comes faithfully to church while that man drives about 30 minutes away and goes to another church because he doesn't want to be in the same church because he got offended. The rest of his family is still in church. He goes somewhere else, 30 minutes away. Offended. Offended. I can tell you it happens all the time. How about this one here? Number 10, wrath. Wrath. The Greek word here is thumos, which we get all sorts of heat things. Thermostat, thermos, thermometer, thermal. And, and hatred is primarily anger that is on the... See, are we at the right one here? Wrath, yes. Anger, wrath is anger that has actually come out. It's actually boiled over. It is anger that has come out. And by the way, anger, this wrath, is something that Paul also commented on in a military sense. Remember I gave you the verse last night from Ephesians chapter 4 where it says, Let not the sun go down upon thy wrath, neither give place to the devil. Notice how it's talked about as a seducing spirit. See, you say, I, I, and I know of some people that say, Oh, it's so healthy for me to just kind of let loose. Man, i got to just get it off of my chest. I hear that a lot. I, a lady one time told Billy Sunday that. She said, yeah, I just got to get it off my chest. I just got to get it out. He said, yep, yeah, same with a shotgun. Just has to get it out and look at what happens. You justify being a volcano once in a while and, and then everything's settled down. No, no, it's not okay. See, what you've done is you've allowed a seducing spirit in. You've allowed a seducing spirit in. And, and, and number 11 is strife. There's another door. Another door that lets in a seducing spirit. Striving is all about seeking promotions. When I was growing up, especially when we went swimming, we'd, always, we'd have a raft and we'd always play king of the raft. That's whoever could stay on top of the raft and be the one standing, the one on top. You know what, I find that actually we have a lot of society that is built upon that same dumb premise. Who can be on top? Notice, by the way, that even was coming in with the disciples when James and John got their mom to go to Jesus and say, hey, we want to be positioned where? On His right hand and on His left. Folks, don't seek position. Let God position you. 
Don't seek position. Let God position you. I, I, I find this is true. I, I, will tell, I tell people all the time, that there's no way in the world that I ever, I know the Bible says it's good, you know, if a, if a man desire the office of a bishop. I have to be honest and say, I didn't want to be the pastor. And I can tell you, there's a lot of days in my church, I don't want to be the pastor. I've got some young preacher boys underneath me, and I tell them all the time, boy, don't, don't ever want to be a pastor on a day like today. <laughs> I tell them a problem, say, this is why you don't want to be a pastor probably. Now, by the way, I'm telling that hopefully that they will be willing to do whatever God wants them to do. But don't desire promote, getting promoted. Don't desire to be on top. Listen, you, you be where the, the Bible says that God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. And God's going to exalt you in due time. And we need to realize that, that, that basically this thing of promotion is a form of pride. You, you ever heard of Narcissus? Narcissus was this Greek legendary mythological figure. Narcissus, this hunter that basically was so beautiful that he fell in love one day with his own image in the, in, in the pond, and, and, and that was his undoing. He basically fell in love with himself. To be narcissistic is to love yourself. Jesus said to do just the opposite. Number 12 is seditions, basically dissension or disassociation. People filled with dissension. Here's the thing about dis seditions. If people technically, this, this word here, if they, are, if they are seditious, they're pulling away from the group. This is the person does not want to join the group. In other words, they don't like unity. They always want to be outside. They always want to be dragging along. They always want to be, and by the way, you find that, that, that Peter kind of even showed this characteristic when the devil had gotten him, when the Bible says that he followed afar off. See, sedition had already gotten in his heart. Followed afar off. Listen, by the way, that's why I, I will tell you that one of the things I love to see, and I, I'm only here for just uh, today, tomorrow, I'm going back on Monday. But listen, can I encourage you, by the way, don't try and be a fringe part of this church. Don't try and be a fringe part. Man, that's, you, you realize that, you know, lions, when, when lions out in the wild in, in, in Africa... When they are, uh, you know, seeking whom they may devour, that you know who they usually look after? They look after either the weak or those on the fringe. The one who's hobbling or the one that's on the edge. Listen, that's why you want to be right in the middle. Right in the middle of the prayer meeting, right in the middle of prayer, right in the middle of serving, right in the middle. You don't want to be seditious. Number 13, heresies. Heresies is an interesting word. I find that uh, most people don't understand what a heresy is. It comes from a Greek word, heres, which means to capture, uh, capture or storm a city. It is a, basically a word that describes a group, a group sedition, a group rebellion. By the way, have you noticed how much this is escalating in our world? Arab Spring, notice the Occupy movements that have been here as well. <laughs> I thank God, by the way. I happen to live in a state. It wasn't as good this, this year. I, I, I literally did pray for a really cold winter for a while so that those occupiers would go home. What are they about? They're just a group that's just wanting to complain. 
wanting to complain, wanting to complain. It's a group. It's group sedition. And, and, and I would suggest to you that, that we need to be careful that we, again, uh, unity is only good when that unity is following Christ. But be careful of the crowd that is not following Christ. That group you want to stay away from. Number 14, envyings. The Greek word is pathanos. It has the idea of corrupting or destroying. It's basically spoiling or corrupting in order to get fairness. Demanding fairness. You know, it's, it, this envy is all around us. You go back to the Old Testament, you've got the story of King Saul. King Saul, the first king of Israel, got very jealous about a young man by the name of David. Why? Because he got more attention. The songs, the women were singing, and he got very envious. That's a seducing spirit. Isn't it interesting, by the way, that you read about with King Saul when that was all taking place, that the Spirit of the Lord departed from him and an evil spirit came in. Seducing spirit. I'm telling you, there's an example. Envying, that was his, his undoing. Number 15, let me hurry here, murders. And, and certainly Jesus expanded this not to just simply physical murder. Of course, we know that is wrong. But again, Jesus even said in the Beatitudes that if you even hate your brother without a cause, if you hate, if you have this anger, this bitter thought, it can open the door to a seducing spirit. Remember the story that Jesus told about the king who forgave the debt of the man, the great debt? I think it was 10,000 talents. That man in turn did not forgive the man that had the, the simple little debt of 100 pence, 100 penny denarius. He, he didn't forgive that. Do you remember what happened when the king found out about that? He retracted his offer, but what did he do? He turned the man over to the tormentors. Turned him over to the tormentors. By the way, I think there's, there's something there. When you do not have a forgiving spirit, you will deal with a seducing spirit. And a seducing spirit is tormenting. That's why I tell everybody all the time when they ask me, oh, pastor, what do you think? Should I forgive or not? Yes. Yes, in all cases, yes. All of the above, forgive everybody all the time. Whenever you can, you always forgive because you don't want that torment. Number 16, drunkenness, and this makes sense. God is against, I believe we could even expand this not only to drinking, but anything that forfeits control. Anything that forfeits control. That's, that's all of these drugs, that's all of these things that can uh, take our, our mind away. Uh, forfeiting control. You know, isn't it amazing that people today are so quick to give up control. They're so quick to give up control. Drunkenness, let me give you number 17. Number 17 is revelings. A reveling is a drinking party. Again, one of the things, several of these, they deal with groups. You need to be careful who your friends are. Need to be careful who your friends are. The children of Israel uh, may have even succumbed to revelings in, in Exodus 32 when they worshiped the golden calf. Again, when you do so, it opens yourself up to a seducing spirit. Number 18. Notice the last one here is just a miscellaneous in case there's anything else. And such like. And such like. I'm going to tell you one story. We'll be through. I 
was just coming home from another missions trip that I took many, many years ago. I had just gotten home from this trip to Brazil, actually, and I had just gotten home, and my wife met me at the airport, and she said, Honey, I've got to tell you something. In the last couple of days before you got home, she said, I think we got a visitor in our house. I thought, what in the world are you talking about? And she gave all the earmarkings that maybe there was a mouse in the house. A mouse in our house. And you know, I was so tired that night. I went to bed that night so tired because, of course, you know, the plane ride and international travel. And I can remember laying down in bed. Now, I happen to be a light sleeper. And the least little change I pick up on. I thought at first I was dreaming. But all of a sudden, I opened my eyes when I just could hear just a pitter-patter on the wall. A pitter-patter on the wall. I sat up in bed, and it was dark, but I could see with the light from the hallway enough And that's when all of a sudden I saw something going right over my lap. It just flashed. I threw the covers off. I jumped out of bed. And then I walked over into the hallway and turned on the hallway light. And I calmly said to my wife, Honey, think you want to get up she said why I said I think we just had a mouse went right across us in the bed (laughs) she said oh you're tired you know what you do this every time that you come back off a big trip You're so tired, you don't make sense. You know what? You dreamed it. It was imagined. It wasn't real. I said, are you saying the preacher's lying? (laughs) She said, no, I just think that it it didn't happen. I said, well, I think it did. And I said, said, you can do what you want. I said, this man uh, is going to try and get some traps set. And I did. I put traps. I went out middle of the night. I went out, Brother Steve, bought ten traps. I wasn't going to monkey around. I bought 10 traps. I laid them out everywhere I could. I put the biggest slices of cheese, peanut butter, anything that you could imagine. I mean, I was like a smorgasbord, you know, on that mousetrap. Ten of them. And I mean, this is the middle of the night. And I said to my wife, I said, honey, I said, uh, you can go back to sleep. And she said, I am. I said, I'm not. I said, I'm going into work. And so I went into work 4.30 in the morning. I get a phone call. (laughs) Valerie had gone back to bed. Here's what she said. She said, honey, she said I was sleeping and I thought I was dreaming. She said I felt a tickle on my nose. (laughs) She said, and then I just simply opened my eyes. And you know how it is when you open your eyes, you know, you don't see real clearly. She said, I thought. I'm looking right square into the face of a mouse. Tickling my nose. 
Now, you, you got to know my wife. My wife freaks out at about anything. I wish I would have been home to see it. <laughs> but, of course, she got up. And, 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 and I'll just shorten the story. There, there was a mouse. And the, the funny thing was, I mean, this mouse was a crazed mouse. We later found that it had probably been starving, and it, so it, was, it literally had just about gone insane. That's why I literally had no fear. It was just running. And, and when we find it, we actually we, we had to call some exterminators. And the exterminators even, even were freaked out because they had never seen a mouse like this that literally all of a sudden, in the middle, I mean, normally they hide. Not this one here. Running up the drapes, down the drapes, running across the piano running across the couch, running everywhere. <laughs> that exterminator got me aside and said, you know what, we need to fix some things here. They caught the mouse, but then they went around the entire outside of the house and they said, we found several places where this mouse got in. We sound, found several holes where this mouse got in. You know, it would be a shame here tonight if we would leave and not plug up some holes. It would be a shame tonight if we would allow big gaping holes for seducing spirits to gain a stronghold. Father, I pray that you'd help us here tonight to just simply plug up some holes. I pray that you'd help us Lord, to realize that Satan wants to get in our lives, please help us to keep him out and to keep his demons out. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen. As Pastor was, was finishing up, I was sitting there praying, Lord, help me to have the right words to, 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 to close the meeting out. Here's what he's talking about. These 18 things that he gave us, these are, many, these are the things that we do. And what happens is what we do is we open up an easy avenue for, the, for Satan to attack us. What does he want, to, want us to do? What does he want to do? He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your testimony. He doesn't want people to look at you and say, you are a light. He wants people to look at you and say, you are darkness. You're, you're, not, you're not what, you know, a Christian ought to be. You're not what draws me to you. He doesn't want you to attract the Jameses of this world or the James Mums of this world or the other people of this world. He doesn't want us to have joy. He doesn't want us to be faithful. He doesn't want us to serve. He doesn't want us to do anything that we are to do for God's glory. And many of the times, we actually assist Satan in, in helping to destroy our own lives. Listen to what preacher said tonight. We are not careful what we think about. We let our mind wander. We don't, we don't effectively try to keep our mind on the right things. You use your television. You use those books that you read, uh, friends that you conversate around. Your mind just runs wild. You think on the wrong things. Men, you've heard me say it time and time again. The billboards, the, the page three and the magazines here and the different things, 
there's no reason why we should look at those things because once that image gets there, it is seared. I, w- I was talking to I'll just I'll just I was talking to one of my my children, one of my boys, not too long ago, and there, there we an innocent book, an innocent magazine, so to speak, and he saw a, a, a semi ill-clad woman. He's laying in bed and he's crying. And I walked in there and said, what happened? He said, Daddy, that image is in my mind and I can't get rid of it. You know what we did? We prayed. I prayed with him right then and there. We, took a, we talked and we found a Bible verse and we quoted that Bible verse. The next thing I know, that little boy was asleep. Done. Can't look at the wrong things. We, we get so far out of bounds with things that dirty now seems clean. And we don't call sin, sin. We have no control over ourselves. And I'm not talking about this. Look. We get to 300 and 500 pounds because we can't control what we put in our mouth. We get a dirty mind and we get a dirty heart because we can't control what we put into our mind and into our heart. We are a people out of control. We, we see it all the time in our world today. He went on and through about, talked about wrong lusts and wrong desires, which become a replacement for worship. He talked about uh, anger. He talked about you know, seeking promotions. Christians nowadays, oftentimes, we live for the things of this world. We live for promotions. We live for uh, power. We live for uh, authority. And yet, Christ died just so that we would be free and, and to forgive us of our sins. And He left the glories of His home and He left everything. And yet, we are to be Christian Christ follower. We want to be loners. We don't want to be a part of the family. He talked about heresies being group rebellion. You know what? It only takes one person who rebels against the truth one person who gets annoyed with the pastor and starts talking about him and, and saying wrong things, and it doesn't take very long before they get a group. A group is either a group of two or more. And I've seen it many, many times. One person gets upset. They can't, they can't get it right with God, so what do they do? They go find someone else and get them upset, and then what happens? They both walk out the door. Listen. Demanding fairness, envyings. Preacher didn't mention my name. Do you know why? Because your preacher's memory stinks. It does. And I can't always remember the good that you do and the blessings that you give. And in the, with all my heart, I want to praise everybody. I just forget sometimes. That's why we quit singing happy birthdays to adults on Sunday morning, because I just forget. But what's, what happens... We get bitter about that. He didn't treat me right. We open that door, and what does Satan do? And this is the point I think you're trying to get at. Here's what happens. In any of those 18 things, we open that avenue because we do something. Satan comes in and says, you're absolutely right. It wasn't fair. Come on, man. Look at that picture again. Didn't you enjoy what the feeling was? Do you you see what preacher's saying? We, we, we 
are under attack anyway, but we help Satan with the attacks by the things that we do. And I know, because I did it tonight, I went down as you preached and I thought, I struggle with that one. I struggle with that one. I know I have a weak spot. I need to make sure that's girded up. Everybody in this room, you know what? We are to be, we are to be faithful. And we are to love Jesus with all our heart, with all our soul, and what, all our mind. You know what Christianity is? Christianity is loving God with everything and loving people in the same manner. On these two things hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, hang all of Christianity. If we're not faithful and we're not doing those things, we are not doing what Christianity is all about. Listen, you should be here Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night unless the providence of God hinders you. You should be involved in the ministry of the church. You should be a part of this life and this world because this is the one that has eternal value. God will feed you. But if you show your kids that your job is more important than being faithful to Him, your kids, your kids aren't even going to attain to the level that you have attained to. Am I wrong, preacher? Shut the doors. If the TV brings in the wrong image, turn the thing off. Can't control it? Get rid of it. When I go to the barber shop, I don't read the papers. And I told you why. First time I was there, scared me to death. I opened up the paper. Page one was cool. Got to page three. I'm sitting there in the barber shop. I hit page three. I went, oh! And I threw the paper across, because it's got a new lady. I threw the paper across the room. I hollered, and all the men looked at me, and I thought, great, they're going to think I'm some kind of weirdo. But I just did what the most brave men do. I just looked at the floor and didn't look up. <laughs> I don't look at page three. I don't look at the magazines. Why? Because i got to keep the door shut. Listen. I hope you got what he was saying tonight. I'm shaking in my seat because I see the reality of the failures in the Christian life. And it's those 18 points. Let's take some time and pray tonight. You talk to the